And I pray that you would teach us even in these moments how to trust you even more. Mm. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you for uh, worshiping. Um, it encourages me uh, to be able to worship with you today. Hey, so we do this thing. Um, every Sunday we have some type of sense in this moment. That's what we call it. Uh, we truly dive into our DNA of who we are, of being a sense people. We say that we are together on mission as one community. And so sometimes our sentness moments just looks like us reflecting on what God might be saying to us, how he might be calling us to bless other people, to be intentional with other people. Uh, sometimes we actually just pause that moment and we, we take the Lord's Supper or we hear from other people who might be also living sense and being encouraged by them. And so today we, um, we are fortunate because we have a friend of ours here at OCC um, that's going to share a little bit about her story and what it means for her to be sent. So I'm going to invite Grace to come uh, here for us. If you can grab, uh, we'll grab Sarah's microphone for you. I know you get a mic and everything. So if you want to sing, I mean, go for it, but nope. <laughs> make sure you got enough slack there. All right. Um, so just wanted to, to give you an opportunity. How would you, Grace, um, define sentness in your life? And it could be in a story, anecdotally, or anything like that, but how would you define what sentness looks like in your life? I think so. Is it on? You can hear me. Though. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I feel like it's looked different depending on where I've lived. And I've lived in New York for six months now. That went by fast. It also <laughs> feels like forever. It's both. <laughs> um, and I think since living here, God started to show me just a few months ago, like it's so easy with sensory overload in this city to block things out. You see so many people throughout the day, so many people yell at you, like all sorts of things happen every day. And it's easiest just to kind of have a track, focus on it, and just sort of block everything else out. And so I kind of felt like God started to show me, hey, I want you to actually be aware. Like that's your job. Mm. Just be aware and see what happens, yeah. and the Holy Spirit will lead in that awareness. And so that was kind of a challenge. And I remember, this was just a couple months ago, um, just having a really bad day. A lot happened. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go for a walk and just get some fresh air, as fresh as the air in the city can be, and then <laughs> go back home. That was, that was my plan. Um, but I was still, like, aware of this whole, like, okay, but be aware. Like, while you're walking, just be aware. Maybe I'll see something that will bless me is kind of what my mindset was. I was like, again, it was kind of, like, me-focused. I was, like, looking for things to bless me. But... Um, I took this one turn, I started walking down, and this person, almost like a block in front of me, kind of just stood out to me, and I was like, there's like how many people around me, but this person I'm noticing, and I don't know why, there's nothing special about them, they're walking the same direction, so I just see the back of them, but I'm like, man, I just feel like I, that person needs prayer, mm. and that doesn't happen to me a lot, like, wow. that's not like my thing or something, like it just, mm -hmm. but like this moment it just happened, I was like, well, okay, so I kind of <laughs> just followed them for a few blocks, which is weird. <laughs> not too creepy. <laughs> not creepy, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was like, oh, how do I make this not weird? And so eventually I just kind of like walked up alongside them and I was like, hi. <laughs> um, he was carrying like a bunch of stuff. So I was like, oh, are you a musician? Because it kind of looked like music cases. He was like, no, I'm a filmmaker. I was like, wow, I was way off. This is already weird. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, well, this might sound odd, but I just feel like God's telling me to pray for mm. you. How do you feel about that? Is that? Would that be okay? And his whole face just changed. And he was like, yeah, actually, it's crazy you say that, please. And I was like, oh, okay. So we just like went off to the side of the sidewalk there and kind of a generic prayer, but the Holy Spirit just led. Um, and I looked up from praying and he was just sobbing, just, mm -hmm. I mean, sobbing. And I was like, wow, um, thank you for letting me do that. 
And he was like, no, thank you. You have no idea how much I need that right wow. now. Wow. And then I kind of just walked away because I was still nervous and scared. So I just was like, okay, it was nice to meet you. Bye. Wow. <laughs> but um, it kind of, like, I got home and I was like, wow, I was out there kind of looking for something to bless me. But I, like, what blessed me was blessing someone else. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. So, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like setness looks like awareness to me. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. As I think about even that last part, you're talking about blessing someone else actually became more of a blessing to you. Uh, We talk about this a lot, that um, God's nature is sentness. Like God the Father sent Jesus. God the Father and Jesus send the Holy Spirit. And then the Trinity sends the church. And so when we step into sentness, we actually get closer to God. And so that's one of the reasons that it always feels like a blessing. Like we we get closer to God's heart when we're living like that. And I don't know of a, a better gift than to pray for someone. I think that's amazing. Um, you know, someone that may not be about church and about Jesus, they may be comfortable with you praying for them. Uh, a lot of people don't turn down prayer, even if they, you don't get to pray for them right there, they may, um, there may be an opportunity just for them to share a request for you. And so I think it's some great uh, advice for us, encouragement for us. I love that. What I love to do is, um, for those that know Grace, a little bit more, um, or if, if you don't know Grace and you just heard something you want to encourage her in, you can. Uh, but I'd love just to flip the script a little bit and let you encourage her. How are you see, seeing God in Grace's life? I would love for you to share just some encouraging words. A couple people do that uh, for her uh, this morning. So, yeah. Logan. That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. Being intentional, it works. <laughs> uh, I'm going to invite uh, Cam and Logan. And Christine, if you want to come, we're going to pray uh, for Grace. Um, that's great. Yes, well, I'm going to ask you one more question before we pray. Um, and I would love to just know, how can we be praying for you? That's the question. So uh, what are some things we can pray for you about? Yeah, not to sound redundant, but I guess just the awareness thing. Because yeah. even though I'm learning it, it, there's a reason I'm learning it. Like, I'm not great at it yet. I still shut things out and focus on myself. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you. Um, actually, I'm going to circle around here and lay a hand on her. What this looks like for us, a lot of times when we think about missionaries going out from the church, you may have been a part of a service where they've been commissioned, right? You're commissioned to go on mission, um, whether it be local or overseas. Um, we just want to make that a regular rhythm for our church because we believe that we are everyday missionaries living in this life missionally. And so um, we're going to commission Grace Um, And pray for her as she continues to live intentional. So if you want to, you can just extend your hand symbolically as you are also uh, praying for her in this moment. So, uh, Father, we thank you for how you are working in Grace's life. Father, that you have called her to this time and this season as she is here in this city. Father, thank you for giving her your eyes that she may see what you see. Father, thank you for giving her your heart, that she may feel what you may may feel for others. 
And God, I pray that there are more moments that come along for her, whether it be uh, just walking in the street, um, whether it be um, whether it be at work, whether it be with friends. Um, God, I pray for more opportunities where she gets to love people well the way that you have loved us well through Jesus. And God, I pray for those opportunities um, to be moments that not, are, not only are just kindness and acts of love, but, but God, there's opportunity to, to pray for, to have spiritual conversations, and even to proclaim the gospel. I pray that in, in this, that she would know you even more, that as she blesses others, she truly feels you blessing her. I pray that that would become a theme in her life. I thank you for what she has meant to us, uh, the friends that are, that are gathering around her. And God, I pray that we as a church can be a blessing uh, to her as well. Thank you for grace. We thank you for Jesus in her life. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Give grace a hand. Thank you so much. I love the good bumper music. It's great. It puts me in the right place, right? I have to remember that the screen is not there. I keep doing this thing and looking at the screen. And I put my table on this side usually because it faces Facebook Live. But now I've shifted it over, so I feel a little bit, a little bit off. But hey, we're going to go for it. So that's great. How are you feeling? Feeling good? Yeah? All right. Just a little bit hot. But hopefully, hopefully the preacher won't be too long. And uh, we'll, we'll get into some, some cooler environments, right? Uh, that'd be hopeful for me, too. So um, I'm excited about being here with you today. We're in a new series. We've been in a new series, studying through the book of Exodus. And the idea for us in this study is that we would never forget. Never forget what God has done for us. You see, this story in the book of Exodus, you have a lot of characters. You have Moses. You have the, Egypt, you have the Egyptians. Uh, you have the, the Hebrew people, also called the Israelites, and you have a lot of people, a lot of characters in this story, but this is really a story about God. This is his story. And in this, we see that God desires to be known amongst his people. He is making himself known to his people, the Israelites. That's what we see here. And so this is God's story. Don't get it twisted. It's not about Moses. It's not about the Israelites. This is about, about God. We see his character revealed along the journey as they are freed uh, from slavery. We see that he is a God who, who provides. He is a God who protects. He is a God who gives care for in some of the most difficult seasons for them. He is also a God who gives his people an identity. And we see all of that. And in doing all of that, we understand that God is a God who is making himself known, and we will see today that God is a God who makes a way for salvation. He wants his people to know that he makes a way for them. And so we will be studying today 
Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 15 through the end of the chapter. Ali is going to come and read uh, for us this morning. So thankful to have a team from Louisiana uh, serving with us over the past weekend. And so um, we're going to hear from God's word. You can use that microphone there. Um, Exodus chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Let us pray before she reads. Father, we thank you for this moment where we get to come before your word. And I pray that you would speak to us and that all other voices would be quieted, any other voice seeking our attention, our thoughts, our heart, that I pray that you would be louder than all of it and that we would listen and that we would obey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As for me, I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in at they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. There was clouds. There was cloud and darkness, it lit up the night, and neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove back, drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right side and their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea turned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the, on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, this past week, I had the, um, the earlier this week, I had the opportunity to be in my hometown for a, a few days. I had a few meetings, and then I, I got to go eat with my mother, who is here, um, and, and my father. Uh, we ate some, some Thai at one of their favorite restaurants in, in Hendersonville. And um, I'm just going to say, I didn't tell her then, but I'll say now, it was okay. 
<laughs> it was okay. I know it's your favorite restaurant, and that's okay. Love it for that. Um, but I'm a little bit of snob because Hell's Kitchen has some good Thai food, and uh, New York City has some good Thai food. And so I, I, was, I was mildly okay about it, but it was good. Um, and so when, when I was leaving the restaurant, I asked my, my mother, I said, didn't the Hendersonville skating rink used to be around here? Like I, I had a flashback memory of the skating rink being somewhere close by. And um, she said, yeah, you just ate in it. <laughs> and so the, the roller skating rink that I grew up with was now a, a restaurant that served four different levels of, of heat on curry, right? And so um, it totally changed the restaurant. I like it like a lot more now knowing that it was the, radio, the skating rink that I used to grow up in. But it also, for me, in a moment, it brought back all of these memories that I had growing up, growing up at this uh, roller skating rink. One of the most vivid was my first date. Yeah, I was in fourth grade, and uh, uh, my mother took me to the roller skating rink. My girlfriend's mother brought her to the roller skating rink, and, um, and we, we skated. That's what you do. And, uh, and I just remember it being the most awkward experience ever. Uh, I, I didn't know what, quite what to do. There wasn't many people there in the middle of the day. And, and then at one point, I, I fell. I tripped and fell, right? Oh, man, the shame. I blamed it. I remember blaming it on something like getting caught in the wheel of my skate. It was ridiculous, right? There wasn't nothing. There was nothing in the wheel of my skate, but I felt so embarrassed. And in a moment when when my mom said that this used to be the skating rink, all of these memories came back and all of the feelings came back with them. And all of a sudden, I felt a little bit of shame. At 43 years old, feeling shame for something that happened in the fourth grade, right? And so it was a pretty big deal in that moment. When we come to today's text, we see the biggest event that takes place in the Bible until we get to the cross. This is a big event. And this is something that God wants his people to remember. He wants them to have this memory And he wants this memory to shape who they are. He wants this memory to continue with them through their journey and through their life. This is a big deal as we come to this moment here in the Red Sea. In verse 15, it kind of ends with this this awkward awkward question, which seems awkward, that God asked Moses. In 15, it says of chapter 14, the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. Can you just imagine in this moment, the Israelites, they have the sea on one side, and on the other side of them is the Egyptian armies coming after them, Pharaoh's armies and all the chariots and horses. This seems like an appropriate time to cry out to God, doesn't it? Hello, we need help. (laughs) We're in the middle of a sea and a big army. What are we going to do? This seems like an appropriate time for God's people to cry out to God. God says, why? (laughs) Why are you crying out to me? They've cried out to him before. We've seen this before already, right? Earlier on in Exodus, we saw that they 
They cried out to him and it caused him to remember his promise to Abraham, to Jacob and to Isaac. He, they cried out to him because they had been in slavery for 400 years. And when we understand God remembering his promise, it's not that God had amnesia and he suddenly remembers his promise. It's now this is the moment that God chooses to act and to raise up Moses and to deliver them. And so here they are again, crying out to God, stuck in this place, fearing what is ahead of them, fearing what is behind them. It seems more than appropriate for them to cry out to God, but he asked why. Why are you crying out to me? Just imagine yourself in a place where you're needing prayer, a place where you feel like you're trapped, and you cry out to God, and he says, okay, stop. That's enough. I like prayer and everything, but stop. I love what Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of old, says about this passage. He says, far be it from me to ever say a word in disparagement of the holy, happy, heavenly exercise of prayer. But, beloved, there are times when prayer is not enough. When prayer itself is, I love this phrase, out of season. When we have prayed over a matter to a certain degree, it then becomes sinful to tarry any longer. Our plain duty is to carry out desires into action. And having asked God's guidance and having received divine power from on high to go at once to our duty without any longer deliberation or delay. To pray and to move forward. And that's what God says to these Israelites. Why are you crying out to me? It is time to break camp. No longer sit here crying about what is ahead of you and what is behind you. I need you to put your full trust and faith in me. We see in verses 10 through 12 exactly why they are crying what their prayer is all about, and he gives us a little bit more context. So Exodus 14, 10 through 12, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. They had been let go, right, from Pharaoh, but Pharaoh changed his mind. And so he sent people after these, Egypt, after these Israelites. The Israelites were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is their cry. They are wanting to go back to their old way of life. They'd seen God move. They'd seen him in power. They'd seen him like challenge all the other gods of Egypt. And he won. Plague after plague. He beat all the other gods of Egypt. 
He is powerful. He is mighty. He is worthy of worship. And so they follow him. And then all of a sudden, they begin to doubt. They look at the Egyptian army in front of them and they fear. And in the middle of all of that, they find themselves longing to go back. And life may have been difficult, but at least they understood it back in Egypt. It may have been horrific conditions, but at least they weren't going to die. They wanted to go back. Have you ever been there in your life where you feel like you have followed God, you trusted him? You may be set out on a new adventure, taking steps, taking risks, and then it gets difficult. The challenge sets in. And you begin to think about your circumstances a little bit more than you're thinking about God. And you begin to fear, and you begin to ask the question, what have I done? I wish I could just go back and change it. What they are experiencing is a lack of faith. What they are experiencing is a lack of trust. And what God is about to do is, is he about to prove his trustworthiness to these people in a miraculous way? We know the story you've seen in the movie, right? Maybe the cartoon. Verse 16 of chapter 14, what does it say? As for you, speaking to Moses, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. We, we know this story, right? The, the waters are split wide open and the sea has been pushed back for them to walk through. But there is some, some terminology here that sometimes we just missed because of the miraculous moments. The sea is pushed back, and what appears for them to walk through? It says dry ground, right? They're walking through on dry ground. There's not a drop of water on this ground. That's how much. It's not just that God made the sea a little bit shallow for them to get through. Now they just, like, just kind of cleared it up. You know, it completely dry ground for them to walk through. This is an important phrase. It's an important idea that the seas are split open and dry ground appears. It's not the first time that we see it in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. We also see this in Genesis, in the creation account. What is the world when it is first made? Am I no? It's completely water. That's what we got. When he makes the world, he first makes it a bunch of water. That's what he does. And then, what does he do? He, he divides the water. He splits the water, and he creates the sea and sky. Okay, we're starting to get some form here, some order here. And then, in chapter 1, verse 9, I want you to read it with me. What happens Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. Then God said, let the water under the sky. So he's divided the water once. Now he's going to do it again. Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and what? Let the dry ground appear. Split the sea so that the ground 
may be dry. Why is this important? This is what it takes for life to happen. Right after this in the Genesis account, you get birds, you get fish, you get mammals, you get people. This is God making a way for life. And it's not the first time he does it in the book of Genesis. He also does it in the story of Noah, right? The waters are dried up and behold, the face of the ground, it was dry. Moses is on a boat (laughs) on water. He can't get out. There's water everywhere. There's a big flood. And then the waters cease. The floods pull back. The water is split open and dry ground appears. What happens then? Well, a bunch of animals get out of the boat (laughs) and his family and life happens. They start again. That's what this is for God's people. He split open the waters, the sea, and he gave them dry ground so they can walk through and have a whole new life. That's what this is about. Yes, it's a miraculous, powerful moment where we see an ocean like with walls up there. And so you're walking through. That's whoa, right? But this is God making a way where there seems to be no way. This is God taking what is formless, what is empty, and creating life out of it. This is God who takes the overwhelming flood and pushes it back and creates life again. This is God where there is no possible way for them to survive, for them to go to the land that he has promised. He makes a way. I want to encourage you this morning, as you've set out in following after God, and I hope that is your story. He is worthy of your worship. He is the only God that we should serve. And he is trustworthy because he can make a way where there seems to be no way for us to have the life that he has called us to have. We must put our faith, our trust in him. So what happens? Well, they go into the water, don't they? And they get to the other side. That happens. Then the Egyptians, they're in awe of who God is. They try to go in and they cry out to Moses, Moses, what, what, what must we do to be saved? Moses says, believe in Yahweh. They start believing in Yahweh. They get through the other side. Big revival breaks out. It's wonderful. That's not the story, is it? <laughs> no. Hope you're paying attention. That's not the story at all. There's death that happens here. Why? Because these waters are judgment. The judgment of God. I want you to read what happens here in verse 26 of chapter 14. This is what actually happens. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. He pushed them back in. The water, it came back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh, 
that had gone after them into the sea, not even one of them survived. I think we read this sometimes and we think, Israelites, good guys, Egyptians, bad guys. Egyptians are great people, by the way. One of my friends who lives in Egypt called me this morning, and I talked to him before the service. I don't think he would read this and say, Egyptians, bad guys. (laughs) Right? These are people made in God's image, destroyed. What do we do with that, right? Come on. God not only pushed the water back over, he tried to get, he pushed them back in the water. The reality is this. We all deserve to be in this water. Every single one of us. We deserve the judgment of God. Because we are sinners. We have all fallen short of what God has called us to be. We all have weak faith. We have all trusted in other things. The Israelites included deserve to be floating in this water along with the Egyptians, and so do we, but God. Here's what I want you to see. The dry ground that they walked on, the way that was made for them, and how they got out of this judgment was Jesus. He didn't read Jesus in there, did he? I'm going to tell you, it's Jesus. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. I'll read off the screen for the welcome place in the Bible. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, a church that is just kind of almost falling apart. And he says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. There was a cloud here in this passage that he's referring to, the presence of God. They were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea. He's talking about this moment. And all were baptized, we'll get to that in a moment, into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they, these people, God's people, the Israelites, they all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, the manna that was provided from God, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And who was that rock? What was that food? Who provided the way? Paul says, Jesus. This is the gospel. That's what we see at the Red Sea. God making a way for his people that are trusting in him. He made a way for them to be pulled out of God's judgment because Jesus himself took the waves He died on our behalf. He died in our place. That's what the gospel says, so that we can find life. We love baptism around here. I can't wait till we baptize some more people. Um, That's one of the reasons we get to have our own space and we get to do baptism whenever we want it. It's going to be great. It's a Christian symbolic act of what God has done for us in Jesus, right? But if you notice in the act of baptism, there's a couple things that are, that are usually said. When someone goes under the water, 
What do we, what do we say? They're buried with Christ. I mean, you're buried with Christ. You, you know who you bury? I've never seen a, a live person buried ever. <laughs> and that'd be crazy to think that, that could happen. Maybe it has. I don't know. But you bury dead people. Buried with Christ. You're going into the waters of God's judgment. Let me just tell you, you and I, we don't deserve to be pulled back up. Now, I'm going to pull you back up for baptized. You don't worry. I'm going to pull you back up. You don't deserve. We don't deserve to escape God's judgment. We deserve to be right there with the floating chariots and horsemen and Egyptians that are in this passage. But Jesus, he took on the waters for us. So we're buried with Christ. And we're raised because he was raised to walk in what? This new life. That's what Christian baptism is all about. When you see it happening, you should see escape. You see a way that has been made for this person that has followed after Jesus. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what this moment is all about. That's why this is so important. He, God wants them to remember this moment because he wants his people to know that he is the God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. So the question then is, what are we to do in all of this? What is our role? We see what God does, but what is, what is our role in all of this? Exodus 14, verses 13 through 14. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. I know you see Egyptians out there and the army and everything. Don't be afraid. Don't do that. Instead, stand firm and see what? The Lord's salvation. This is about salvation. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you won't see them again. They're going to be done. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. Your job, be quiet. Stop crying out. <laughs> this, is, this is not a moment for you to complain about what's going on because what you're about to see is going to completely change everything. Your job is to be quiet and to watch God work. You may feel like you're just stuck in the hardest place right now. Maybe you literally feel that when you're a little bit heated in this room, right? It's kind of stuck listening to this guy. You may feel that in life to some degree. God's going to make a way. He's proved himself through the cross that he makes a way for us to have life. He's going to continue to show up and be trustworthy. All that you need to do is to be still, to be quiet, and watch God work. That's what it looks like to put your complete trust in him. That's what it looks like to put complete faith in him. Not to worry, not to fear, not to look at your circumstances and say, oh no. No. I'm going to watch God show up. 
He's always done that. I'm going to be still. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to pray when I need to pray. I'm going to watch him show up. When I need to move, I'm going to move. The song that forever lives in my head, in my dreams, um, Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. (laughs) You may not know it. You may be too young for it. But Living on a Prayer is the song that when I hear it, I'm roller skating in fourth grade. It's the moment. <laughs> Whoa, living on Okay, I won't sing that. <laughs> and I'm trying my best to keep up and win the whatever game we're doing uh, at the roller skating rink. It takes me back to that moment. There's something about music. Uh, you know, I've heard it described this way. We as Christians, we have a faith, but we have a singing faith. We sing about our faith. That's what we do, right? We come together every... Sunday, we sing. <laughs> I love it. Cam does a great job leading. It's, it's great. We sing. Here we got to stop and think, why do we do that? <laughs> Music, song has a great way of reminding us what we should know. If you look ahead, Exodus chapter 15, I'm not going to preach through it because it's hot and we don't have the time. <laughs> but Exodus 15, we actually used it during our call to worship. They get to the other side of the sea, and what do they do? The verses, they look a little different than verse, the verses in chapter 14. It looks like shorter lines. It looks like poetry. Almost the entire chapter is them breaking out in song. Woo, they're just worshiping. <laughs> they get to the other side of the sea, and they just break out in this big old sing-along. That's all they can do. And you know what they're singing about? What just happened? What they're singing about? They're singing about the horse that went down into the sea with the chariots and the Egyptians and our God that made a way, right? Song is powerful. It reminds us of who God is, what we're supposed to be reminded of in him. So our response today, I think for us, is just to stand up and sing. To sing about this God. He's made a way for us that we can trust in, we can have our complete faith in. He is worthy of our praise. May we sing about how glorious he is. I want to invite the band to come, and they're going to get ready. And as they do, I've got a few questions uh, for you before we respond in song. Let's take a moment every Sunday just to ask some questions to help you reflect And so if you want to take a posture of prayer, you can bow your head if you want. But what I want to encourage you to do in this opportunity is to listen to the Holy Spirit. First question for you. In what ways have you been focused on your circumstances in your life a little too much? Circumstances that may have may have caused you to to lack faith, to lack trust.
want you to take a moment just to ask the Lord to remind you how good he has been to you, how he has provided a way for you to have life. last question for you. What does it look like for you to deepen your trust and your faith in him today? What does it look like for you to to be still and to watch him work? Father, we thank you for Jesus. This is all about you. This is all about your work. It's not about what we can do. about you we can't fight off the armies in front of us we can't split wide the sea but we can be still and watch and trust in a God who can thank you for Jesus thank you for making a way all glory to him As we cry out to you today, we just say all glory to you. We just want to be with you where you are. Thank you for Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Would you stand? Would you sing and respond about who our God is? He is worthy of our voices crying out to him about his glory.